Welcome to the Pets Who Thrive podcast, where we cover all areas of natural animal health and challenge what we've been conditioned to think regarding how to raise and keep a healthy pet. My name is Tammy. I'm an entrepreneur and a certified animal naturopath with a passion for animals and empowering other pet owners with tools for creating the healthiest version of your amazing pets. Let's dive in. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here joining me today. Dr. Todd Cooney is back with us talking about duration of immunity and how that relates to vaccinations. Welcome, Dr. Todd. I'm so glad you're back here again. Thanks. I'm glad to be here, Tammy. All right. So before we jump into what duration of immunity is, I want us to maybe step back a little bit in history. And if you could maybe share a little bit about how it came to be that vaccinations are, and I'm putting air quotes, required annually. Yeah, it's... um... Well, it, when I the way I heard it is a funny story, and I think it's probably true, but I heard that it started at a veterinary meeting back, I don't know, 50 years or so ago. And it started as a marketing thing because veterinarians were concerned that their office visits were dropping. And so they decided that if they, if they required yearly shots, people would come in. They would have more business. And so it started as purely a marketing thing with no science behind it at all because the vaccine companies hadn't really done very many duration of immunity studies, or if they did, they stopped it at one year. And so that's why they labeled a lot of the vaccines for yearly boosters because they didn't know anything past one year. Mm. So they were just saying, well, you know, vaccines are safe. Let's just boost them every year. Plus the vets will have more visits, they'll have more business, which is true. Sure. <laughs> that's, have 15 or 20 percent of their income from vaccines so um well and on top of that um if you are someone who vaccinates annually um many people find that they have chronic disease or animals have chronic disease as a result of it so yeah. then there we go with um it, you know more money for the for the veterinarians yeah it it's true because they're you know, in my mind, they're creating a lot of the chronic disease that they're treating without really getting the connection. You know, they mm-hmm. don't know that we're doing these, say, annual vaccines and animals are getting sicker and sicker. So the animals have to come back for disease management, which mm-hmm. is really what it is. It's not, no, nobody's being cured. They're just being managed with drugs. Um, similar to the human side with chronic disease, you know, there's a lot of disease management. Right. And um, there's no good understanding of what real health looks like. You know, I didn't understand. I practiced for 20 years doing a lot of vaccines and drugs and didn't really understand what that looked like. Right. And until I got into a situation where I didn't do that, and then I could really see the difference. Yeah. So and it's pretty striking. It, yeah. Um, so really, there's, there's no scientific proof behind requiring annual vaccines. It's more about, um, I guess, ensuring that there's a revenue stream. That's kind of where it came about. Well, yeah, part of it's revenue stream. Part of it's just habit. I think habit mm-hmm. of thinking, you know, a lot of a lot of our society is, is used to the idea of, you know, our pets have to get their shots. They have to go get their annual 
time for their annual shots. You know, it's mm-hmm. like changing the oil in the car or something. You know, it's just something we do on a on a schedule, and we we take it for granted. There was even an article, um, a piece in a veterinary textbook called Current Veterinary Therapy, which is a major textbook series. There's been about 15 different books in the series, but every couple of years they come out with a new current veterinary therapy. And it's it's considered like the Bible for veterinarians, one of the Bibles. And um, this was back in 95 or 96. And there was a short article written by Ron Schultz and another fellow, Tom Phillips, I think, where they said there's no scientific reason for annual vaccines and there's no reason to do it. Mm. It, it, it doesn't need to be done. This was in a veterinary textbook. And um, I think a lot of vets haven't seen that article. Right. Or just decide to ignore it. But mm-hmm. it's right there. And it's it's talked about a lot in holistic circles. A lot of people like to point that out. So. Mm-hmm. Well, so. and Dr. Ronald Schultz com- has committed his, his life and study to studying immunology and, mm-hmm. um, you know, exactly. and that's a yeah. whole nother part of uh, medicine that so many people are unfamiliar with. So yeah. for him to say that um, is pretty um, powerful. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, once he, once he retired from Wisconsin, from the University of Wisconsin, he, he uh, got a little more outspoken <laughs> about his true beliefs mm-hmm. because he was a little limited on what he could say while he worked there because he was tied to the university. But he, uh, I heard one interview with him and he said, I don't give my dogs any vaccines. Wow. Um, and they have good immunity. He tests them with titers and their immunity is good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and he did the rabies challenge. He was one of the big workers behind yeah. the rabies challenge study. So that's, yeah, I refer yeah. to that often um, whenever I'm yeah. meeting with clients. And they got up to nine years. And they, the reason they didn't get to 10 years is they just stopped, you know, they stopped the study. But mm-hmm. he's convinced that the immunity and, you know, and we're going to talk about duration of immunity, I sure. think. But yeah, he's convinced that that immunity is lifelong. Right. So and if you could maybe simplify as much as you can um, the definition of duration of immunity. Yeah, well, it, I think it just refers to... Um, how long does the immunity last? You know, if we have immunity, whether it's from um, a natural infection, say, you know, a, a child, this is a common one, a child gets chicken pox and they recover, which most of them do, they, they're considered to have lifelong immunity to chicken pox then. And, um, and no one really questions that. But, mm-hmm. but if a child gets a chicken pox vaccine, they don't get lifelong immunity. They get immunity that will wear off, you know, after a certain amount of time. Same with measles vaccine in kids. And this is well documented that a lot of kids that get vaccinated will go ahead and get measles when they're teenagers because their immunity has worn off. Mm. So duration of immunity, you know, can be different. Um, with natural infection with measles, they think the duration of immunity is about 200 years. I, I read this recently in a in an article where they were talking about duration immunity to different things, measles and not tetanus, but measles and one other thing, they said it was about 200 years. So oh I thought goodness. that was pretty interesting. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> longer so than we that's live. That's longer than most people need. Yeah. Yes. And if you think about it, distemper is a measles virus. It's, it's in the same family as measles virus. So distemper in dogs is probably similar mm. with dogs. 
And that's a getting, big annual. Um, and I think most of our dogs these days get natural immunity to distemper from natural exposure. And there's there's so much herd immunity in the dog population that you just don't see much distemper anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they get exposed, they get immune to it, they have lifelong immunity. And so some people just say, well, distemper is not a problem anymore. You know, it's not around anymore. I think it's probably around. It's just that the dog population as a whole has gotten mm-hmm. better immunity. Sure. And not because of vaccinating. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 So if a client or a listener of this podcast has already vaccinated their pets, how do they determine whether their pet has immunity to the viruses they were vaccinated for? Well, a common way it's done these days is a blood test, and they they check a titer, and a titer is just checking the antibody levels to those viruses. And most of the major reference labs now, like Antec and other Antec's a big one, across the country, but most clinics use those reference labs. And they have a little box now you can check to have a distemper or parvo titer checked on a blood sample. And it's really not very expensive. The problem is it's not it's not very reliable, but, but people are relying on it and a lot of people are requiring it now instead of vaccines. So it's something we're kind of stuck with right now. It's a, it's a misconception though, mm-hmm. because uh, immunologists most of them will tell you that if you're checking a titer on a vaccinated individual, the titer is not reliable if they're vaccinated. It, it's meaningless. And so, but we're, we're stuck with it, you know, so it's kind of bad science and bad policy. But a lot of, I had a client today just say, I need to get a titer for my dog so I can go to training class, you hmm. know, because she doesn't want to vaccinate or she, she's overdue. Right. But the, the trainer said, if you have a titer, you can come to training class. So, but they, they don't understand. They don't understand titers and how they work. Right. And how they, and how they don't work. Well, and not only, um, you know, there's a, there's also a, a part about that is you, you can't really test cellular immunity in a titer test. You can't, you can't. Yeah. The two types, the humoral and yeah. the cell, cellular, you can't. And um, also, even with the antibody, the humoral immunity, it's checking for there's there's virus specific antibodies and there's virus neutralizing antibodies, mm-hmm. and the ones that are protective are the virus neutralizing antibodies, and the titer only checks for the virus specific antibodies. Oh, gosh. So so it's checking the wrong antibody, and usually those virus specific antibodies aren't around very long; they're they're short lived. So. So that's why, say, a puppy gets a parvo, uh, distemper parvo shot, and a month or two later they check a titer and he's good, and then they check it again maybe a year or two later and he's not good anymore. Mm-hmm. His titer's dropped. So they say, oh, he needs a booster. You know, mm-hmm. he, he probably doesn't need a booster in reality. Um, well, because he's probably gotten natural immunity by that time. That would be my thought, mm-hmm. <laughs> is he's old enough. Any any dog over about a year old probably has natural immunity to almost everything. Sure. Um, already, unless they've been raised in a plastic bubble or something and they haven't had any exposure. But, you know, most dogs have had enough exposure. And Ron Schultz felt that way, too, that by a year old they would have natural immunity. Right. Yeah, and they're looking for a certain number. And that's <laughs> yeah. also, um, I think, hard 
uh, to explain because the lab yeah. has a certain number or range that you need to be in. Right. And if you're yeah. not there, you need a booster according to the yeah. paperwork. But yeah, but that's but, not good science because any tighter, it's it's a yes or no thing. It's either yes or no. Yeah. It's not depending on a number. So any tighter at all, uh, most immunologists will tell you is is evidence of immunity. Right. You know, I do have to mention something here that I found so fascinating. I had all of my dogs uh, titer test, given a titer test a few years ago to all the, you know, main viruses. It was, um, mm-hmm. it was distemper, parvo, adenovirus, and rabies. And one of my dogs, um, his parvo titer um, was 10,000. And I think the number they were looking for was maybe 120. Mm-hmm. Um and this dog is the dog that if there's going to be skin issues, it's going to be him. So mm. I just wondered, is there is that evidence sometimes maybe that there may be autoimmune issues present? Yeah, that's a good point. And it, it could be, I would say it could be possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially if he's got allergy issues, it means his immune system is hyperactive. And a hyperactive immune system could certainly produce, you know, a large titer like that. Yeah. And it makes you wonder, too, if there's other things going on, cross-reactivity and things like that, that could really jump that up. But, yeah. Yeah, because that's essentially, and that's what I tell people, you know, if you think of autoimmunity, just think of allergy, because it's just the immune system misbehaving, you know, mm-hmm. really is what it is. And... um Autoimmunity, they've become allergic to themselves. <laughs> yes, and he is the poster yeah. boy yeah. for that. There's no Yeah, and autoimmunity is really, it's a sad thing because it can really be tragic. You know, some of the toughest cases I have to deal with are autoimmune. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they don't respond too well to any kind of treatment a lot of times. Sure, yeah. It's a, yeah, so. it's a very... And it, it kind of ebbs and flows. You know, you feel like, oh, yeah. I've got it under control, and then all out of the blue, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what would you recommend for the pet owner that's already vaccinated their pets um, as far as potential future vaccinations? Um, run away from them as fast as you can. <laughs> well i mean the thing we are i'm i'm kind of joking but i'm not really joking because um so for the last 12 years in my practice the only vaccine we even use is rabies vaccine Mm -hmm. and that's why i say run away from the other vaccines because they don't need them Mm -hmm. that's the first thing to realize is they don't need them they don't need distemper they don't need parvo they don't need lepto they don't need kennel cough they certainly don't need lyme they certainly don't need influenza I mean, all these vaccines they have available for dogs now. And now they're talking about requiring COVID vaccines for dogs and cats. Mm. And I'm sure the vaccine companies are working on it as fast as they can so they can get it out there. And if they do release it, it'll be like when they released the influenza vaccine a few years ago. You know, there will be some news stories and some hype about COVID in pets and why people should vaccinate for it. And it'll all be sponsored by the AVMA, probably. Oh, sure. <laughs> so, so that's um, sorry I got off subject a little, but um, but I'm serious when I tell people rabies is the only one you really even have to worry about, and mainly because of the legal ramifications. You know, some people aren't worried about that, 
and they just they just choose to go uh, off the grid or under the radar mm -hmm. and not do rabies vaccine. Mm -hmm. And that's a personal that's a personal choice, but many people go that route. Yeah. I can't officially advocate that as a licensed veterinarian, but um, right. I just know that many people go that route. Um, so, yeah, that would be the first thing is just coming to the realization that these vaccines really aren't needed. And that's a tough place to get to for a lot of folks because of the conditioning they've they've gone through. Well, it is. And, and one of the things, you know, <laughs> even whenever I talk to um, my customers and clients is the question continues to arise, where am I going to do about a groomer? What am I going to do about boarding them when we travel eventually, <clears throat> mm -hmm. you know, post-COVID? Yeah. Um, and it's a very frustrating thing for me, um, you know, knowing that many of the places around me all require um, oh, vaccinations. Yeah. yeah. I, you, and what I tell clients a lot of times is, um, I just told one that about an hour ago, in fact, in Philadelphia, but I said, find a holistic pet shop and get to know those people and find out who they know. Yeah. You know, network with them because they might know some boarding grooming people that are more like minded. Yes. You know, it's hard, though, because because a lot of them are all um, thinking the same way. Um, we have a few boarding and training places in our area that I know of that don't require all the vaccines. And um and we'll accept no-sodes as a substitute. So that's the other thing is sometimes you can find one that's open-minded enough. They will right. be okay with no-sodes. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, we've definitely done our research, and we do have a couple of mm -hmm. uh, places that we recommend. But it's very, very, it's very It's small. hard to find them. <laughs> yes, it's well, very a lot of them aren't, aren't real public about it, you know. That's right. Because they feel like, you know, we need to stay under the radar, too. That's right. We've got to protect everybody else, and mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, because most people, you know, if they're in business and they're in that type of business with pet services, they have to kind of follow the status quo. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know how that is, and and we've seen it happen at our clinic because we don't follow the status quo in a lot of ways. So other vets don't like that, and sure, they tend to be outspoken about it and say bad things. Oh, yeah. So... So you're going to have some of that, but if your convictions are strong enough, um, you know, you'll you'll probably find a way. You'll figure something out. Right, right. There are people out there. They're just, they're yep. hard to find sometimes. Yeah. There are, yes, that is a very good point. Mm -hmm. So since we know that vaccinations carry a load of toxins, including mercury, aluminum, and formaldehyde, what, what, what would be some ideas or some ways that a pet parent can assist their pet with the detoxification process if they've already vaccinated? Um, yeah, that's a, great, that's a great question and a big concern because a lot of those toxins can just stay there for a long time. You know, the body can't really deal with them in a very, in a very good way. So there are some... Um, you know, there are some specific detox supplements out there that are available through different sources. Um, I, you know, I, I know a few of the companies, and I don't know if you want to mention them specifically, but sure. a lot of them are very good. But honestly, if you work with a, uh, if you just work with a holistic vet or a holistic mm -hmm. practitioner who does good work, 
getting the body back in balance, the body can really detox itself pretty well, you know, if it's mm-hmm. given the right environment. And, and if you just stop loading more toxins in, you know, that's mm-hmm. the first step is stop putting more things in and give the body what it needs as far as nutrition or supplements. And right. then um, one of the nice things about homeopathy is that it helps the body self-correct, you know, and that includes detoxification mm-hmm. a lot of times. So, so there's not, a lot of times I tell people there's not really a magic supplement or thing that you have to look right. for. But if you just work with someone who's doing good holistic things, whether it's uh, acupuncture and Chinese medicine or herbal medicine or homeopathy, those are probably the big three that I would say have the best chance of helping. Right. So it's, again, I think, you know, maybe to to finish that subject up is it's not a one-size-fits-all approach, especially if you are able to find someone who is skilled enough to ask questions, find out what the symptom profile is, and then mm-hmm. make a recommendation um, based on that. But there are su- certain supplements um, that, that are good for um, detoxifying heavy metals. Yes, yes, there are. Yeah, there are certain things uh, for heavy metals. And um, yeah, so, so just, you know, I would encourage folks to just do some, some searching on that and you know, some of the, you know, for, first of all, find a, find a local practitioner if you can that is more mm-hmm. holistic, someone you can have a face-to-face with. And if not, there are, you know, plenty of people like me that do um, long-distance work, too, mm-hmm. that could help guide you through that process. And you could be one of those mm-hmm. that they reach out to, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, as we discussed in a different podcast episode no sodes are a much safer alternative to vaccinations. And I just wanted to see if you could kind of give it a, a re, you know, kind of explain why that is. Sure. Yeah. The um, no sodes are um, a great alternative, I think. And I think the biggest reason is because they don't, they don't trigger autoimmunity. You know, they don't, they don't do that. And vaccines do it every time they do it a hundred percent of the time. So it's not really like you're rolling the dice when you do a vaccine. You you know what you're going to get. You're going to get autoimmunity. Mm. It's a sure thing. And with no sodes, you know that you're not going to get autoimmunity ever. I mean, it just doesn't happen. So that's the biggest thing, I think, is why they're safer. Plus, there's no heavy metals and toxins in a no sode. Mm-hmm. And um, no sodes are all given orally, or they should be anyway, which is a more natural route of exposure for the animal you know, to be exposed uh, orally rather than by injection, which takes it right into the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. So I think those are, you know, the the method of dosing and also the fact that, you know, the nosodes are um, more of a natural, uh, a natural alternative. They're just mm-hmm. made with all natural materials, nothing, nothing artificial or uh, synthetic, toxic either. Sure. Well, and I have a um, customer and also who is also a really good friend. She just got a puppy and it did come with one round of vaccinations. And she already told me she's reached out to you and she's ordered her no sodes. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. So future. So the, obviously you can you can also be of a help to people that are interested mm-hmm. in going that route. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. And I've had quite a few breeders actually contact me. Since right. the, um, 
you know, we've been putting this out there a little more on podcasts and things. And I'm working with quite a few breeders now. And the, the nice thing is the breeders are not only doing it for their breeding animals, but they are sending no-sos with the new puppy owners. That is fantastic. So they're, they're getting them started. And so it's, you know, it's kind of taken off in a uh, grassroots way mm-hmm. in that yeah. way. And I hope it, yeah, I hope it grows because I think that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. And again, I think mm-hmm. the uh, these Have breeders, more awareness. yes, they love mm-hmm. their, their, you know, the puppies, they love their breed They're you know, and I think it's a lack of information and knowledge is power. And yeah. if they can, you know, know that they're doing the puppy more good than harm, mm-hmm. um, yeah. why not? You know, that's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, when we started doing it about 10 years ago, I always had to go in the room and explain it or try to persuade the people to do no-sodes because a lot of them didn't want to do it. And my technicians would struggle with trying to persuade them. Mm-hmm. And so I would go in and, and talk with them for a little while. And most of the time they would say, okay, that sounds fine. Yeah, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. And now the technicians do the selling. You know, they do the persuading. They're good at it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and one reason is they've had 10 years of seeing it work. You know, exactly. They, yes. They're, they, they've seen they, the, the result of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, so they're more confident. And it's the same with people that try it for the first time. I say, well, you just have to go through it. You know, you have to experience it and realize that it's real and that it's that it's a good thing and then you'll you'll feel better about it. Mm-hmm. So do you find that puppies that receive nosodes um as puppies have lifelong immunity? Well, as far as I can tell they do. Like I said, we've been doing this now for ten or twelve years and I haven't had a single case where a puppy has um you know gotten infected later in life. Like you know, went through the nosodes and then later mm-hmm. on came down with parvo or distemper or anything, anything else. So it appears that they have lifelong immunity, and mm-hmm. it's a nebulous thing to try to prove that. Like if somebody told mm-hmm. me, "Well, prove it," well, I, I don't know if I could prove it because, like we said, titers are unreliable. But I think, as they say, the proof is in the pudding. You know, and we so we see a lot of healthy puppies that grow up and never. Um, well, either never get parvo or get it and recover very quickly and then go on to, you know, lead a lead a healthy life and never mm-hmm. have it again. So And that's that's amazing in itself. Um yeah. and, and again they're not injected. Um no, we're all not. of the heavy No, we're levels. not injecting and we're not even given the no sodes. You know, once they pass the six month mark, they rarely get another dose. We have some people that like to do it once a year or so or every three years because I think it makes them feel better, not mm-hmm. really because I told them they should do that. <laughs> um, so they probably don't really need it. And but yeah, so I I would I would I would put it up against anybody really that these pups have lifelong immunity. Yeah, I mean it sounds like it if they're not coming back with some of these illnesses. And you know, I guess the only way we could really prove it would be to take a group of puppies that had gone through no suds and challenge them. You know, expose mm-hmm. them on purpose to the virus. Mm-hmm. To parvo or parvovirus, which um, you know is how they do vaccine challenges with the drug companies, but those are um, you know they're pretty artificial, and you know even if you did that, I don't know what would happen. But yeah, my guess would be that they would they would come through it fine and they would have no problems. 
Yeah, that's because in reality they're getting exposed every day. You know, of course, yeah, they're getting exposed constantly. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and unfortunately, um, many pets, and this kind of goes back to one of the things that we talked about about you know the vaccines carrying a a large load of toxins, but many pet pets have chronic illness that are caused by vaccination damage. And what would, what advice would you give to a pet parent who thinks their pet has been vaccine damaged? Um, well, first of all, um, find a new vet. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, well, sometimes though, it's like you say, it's a uh, maybe a, a puppy that's just been bought from a breeder. I see puppies sometimes that have had four vaccines already by the time they're eight weeks old. Mm, you know, four, four shots, which is crazy. But um, so, you know, my advice would be to uh, find someone you can work with, you know, a holistic practitioner that can help guide you through the process. You know, a, a homeopath would be my favorite way to go because I think homeopathy does a great job with this type of problem. And the symptoms aren't always that obvious. You know, some people that have had an animal that had a vaccine, a vaccine reaction, you know, with air quotes, mm-hmm. they, they saw the swollen face, the hives, you know, the vomiting, maybe things that happened within the first 24 hours. But what we're talking about is the more subtle chronic symptoms that develop. And usually it's allergy symptoms. Mm-hmm. So you have a, four or five month old puppy who's starting to have ear problems and itchy skin and rashes and and you know this this is vaccine damage i mean mm-hmm. so so getting that immune system back in balance is is the first the first concern that's the first thing you have to do and so that can usually be done with uh, remedies and supplements and maybe some diet adjustments and um yeah, so that would be that would be my advice is really and and not, you know, if you if you go the conventional route, most most vets are going to use drugs, they're going to use steroids and antibiotics mm-hmm. and other types of drugs to just block those symptoms which makes the symptoms go away but doesn't fix the problem. So Exactly. I well, definitely wouldn't recommend that route. Yes, and the other thing that you touched on that I think is so important to to point out is Again, people don't associate this chronic issue with a vaccine because it's been two, three, four, five, six months since their vaccination. And all of a sudden, you know, bam, they have all these allergies. And so Mm -hmm. then it just becomes, oh, poor thing. Mm -hmm. You know, he's plagued with allergies and there's no connection made. So therefore, they're given these, you know, medications, they suppress the symptoms. And then, unfortunately, because they don't make the correlation, you know, here comes six months later and they're due for more vaccines. And that's Mm -hmm. the tragic um, cycle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the conventional thinking is, well, we have to do the vaccines because, you know, what else can we do? Mm -hmm. And besides, they're not harmful. I mean, those those two assumptions that they're they're necessary and they're not Mm -hmm. harmful Mm -hmm. are, you know, those are two assumptions that cause a lot of trouble. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yeah. But I think, again, going back to what we talked about earlier is, um, you know, finding someone that can, you know, really get down to the bottom of the the chronic illness um, versus someone who's putting a bandage on a gaping wound. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah. And you're exactly. one of those that can that can help, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm one that's had, you know, I, I've had the extra training and um it's really changed my understanding of things. You know, I never would have thought this way twenty years ago, but um my goodness, you know. I think now I'm just doing penance for the first twenty years of my practice life. Yeah. And I'm trying trying to make good on that. But um yeah, so finding someone who, you know, really understands what's going on mm-hmm. and how to fix it or how or how to help the body fix it because the body does the fixing you know we just we try to guide it in the right direction right so and i know we've helped a lot of customers and clients as well um I because they have. haven't made that connection and then once we do we start to kind of uncover like peeling back the layers of the onion and a big part of that is diet you know and using food as medicine uh, making yeah, sure diet being, alone yeah your immune system yeah, is food supported. is the best medicine for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Pitkin, my teacher, he used to practice in Oregon when he was in practice. And they had such a, he was famous by then. So they had such a long waiting list that many people couldn't get in to see him for like three months. Mm. So they would send them recipes to try. And most people within a month would call and cancel their appointment because the, the recipes made the animal better. Oh, wow. Not not most, but quite a few of them, he said, would call and say, hey, I don't need to come in anymore. My, my animal's all better now. Mm-hmm. We did your recipes. So <laughs> so if you if you get Dr. Pitcairn's book, there's the recipes. They're all in there. Nice. And nice. They're, they're, some of them are pretty complicated, but they're, they're, they still work very well, and I refer a lot of people to those recipes. Good. So is there anything else that you want um, the listeners to know regarding kind of this topic as it relates to immunity, vaccinations, no-sodes, any of those um, topics? Um, well, I, I would just, um, you know, one thing I tell people all the time is you have to really, um, you have to really kind of wrestle with this in your own mind and figure out where you're at with it because there's so much pressure, you know, out there for people to conform and just do the status quo, you know, just, just do what, it, what they want you to do, really. It's like the COVID vaccine. I mean, people, they, they want everyone, you know, once we're able, everyone to go out and get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal of a lot of these people is to have 100% compliance. And, um, but, you know, we know that, we know that that doesn't, work even in the best situation one example i read about was in china where they have almost 100 percent compliance for measles vaccine but they still have a lot of measles they still have a lot of measles outbreaks in their kids and it's Mm. it's just proof that you know that's not that's not the way to go yeah so kind of a false sense of security yeah so i would encourage people to you know do your do your homework and do as much reading as you can outside of the box and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, read people like Suzanne Humphreys and Dr. Tenpenny and um, people that are really, I think, telling the truth about these kind of things. Right. And uh, it, you know, it's important because I think we're really heading into dangerous times where vaccines are going to be very prevalent. They're going to be used as weapons almost Mm -hmm. to try to get people to do things. And, you know, I, I don't mean to get political or anything, but I, I think I think we're heading into that time. And vaccines also with the COVID vaccine, it turned the corner on, you know, using DNA manipulation 
mm-hmm. as a tool. And that's scary in itself. Absolutely. So if, if more and more vaccines are going to come out that do that type of thing, who knows you know, where we're going to be 10 years from now. Exactly. That's a, yeah. it's a very good so point. I, yeah, valid. I think it's definitely a time for people to you know, be alert, be on the alert, and learn as much as you can mm-hmm. about these things. So you mentioned Suzanne Humphreys. Um, is there any other um, suggestions you would make? Suzanne Humphreys? Um, regarding resources um, around? Uh, she's, she's real active on YouTube. She ha- okay. She's an MD. If, um, if people aren't aware of her, she's, uh, she's a medical doctor who left practice because of vaccines pretty much. Okay. She was a kidney specialist, and what she saw in the hospital she worked in was her patients dying because they were required to get a flu shot mm. while they were there for kidney failure. Oh, my goodness. Oh my <laughs> and goodness. so she, she protested and said, hey, let's not vaccinate my kidney failure patients for the flu because they're all dying, mm-hmm. you know, after their flu shot. And she got so much resistance from the hospital that she just finally quit and now she's devoted her career to, um, you know, researching and putting the word out about vaccines. And she's amazing. She wrote the book called Dissolving Illusions, which is one of her big books about that. But, and, uh, yeah, she's, she's one of the, I met her in person. She spoke at a dog naturally meeting in Chicago a few years ago, and I got to mm-hmm. meet her. And she's, she's a great person. Nice. Yeah. Well, and someone who's also just dedicated to helping people see that there is another way. Um, yeah, exactly. Versus, yeah. like you've said before, checking off a box. So you got to get the flu vaccine. Yeah. And I think, and she's gotten, yeah, she's gotten so much resistance that I think she's very, she's a very determined person. And she's very determined to, you know, fight this system that um, the mainstream that's kind of trying to push everyone along in a certain direction. She's mm-hmm. trying to make sure that people, you know, have a chance to learn learn the facts and learn the alternatives. Yeah, such yeah. needed info. Yeah, for sure. Very much. Yeah, and it's out there and it's available. The problem now is a lot of these kind of things are being banned on on media, like YouTube has started to block a lot of the things. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with COVID, but um, with anything really, anything negative towards vaccines is starting to be endangered right (laughs) right might go away yeah yeah so well this has all been such great information i truly appreciate you sharing your insight your wisdom your experience um as it relates to immunity vaccinations no sodes um i know it's going to help so many um customers clients um whoever else is listening out there um so I appreciate you taking the time to, to dedicate you know yourself to helping educate people as well. It's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we will talk soon. Okay. Take care. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you love this episode, share it with someone who may also want to help their pet. You can share it now or post it on social media. Tag me in it so that I can reach back out to you. I'm so proud of you for taking steps to help your amazing furry family member. Talk to you soon.